me welcome my guest, Nomfundo uh, Kaluva. Good evening. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Hi, Michael. Good evening to you and to the Kaya FM listeners. Oh, man, I've been, you know, it's sort of, um, I've, I've spent uh, much of the day listening to you, um, I guess, uh, on, on the internet and, and what a wonderful uh, pleasure it was to listen to. So I really enjoy your music and, and you know, you. I would relish the opportunity to see you live. <laughs> Thank you very much. It will come. Trust me. We have to. Uh, we have to believe. That <laughs> indeed, we have to believe. Indeed, I also want to welcome. Uh, I'm not sure. So she's joining us from Lagos. So the line might be a little bit of a problem, uh, but but we'll give it a shot. Um, Dr. Chijioke uh, Akori uh, from Lagos, um, who's currently in Lagos. Uh, Dr. Akori, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Michael. Oh, what a relief. The line is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. The line is very good. I'm very happy to be talking to you too. Um, and, um, and, and, and so, so you know, um, I, I, I don't know where to start because there's just so, many, so much ground to cover. But, but I, um, a good point is maybe to start with you, uh, Numfundo, and just talk about, you know, the times in which we live. I mean, you are an artist in, in a time that, could potentially be very exciting, particularly if you think about the number of platforms that you are able to be heard on. But also, maybe not. You know, what's the what's you know what's 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 your take and what's the what's the sense from a, from a jazz artist point of view? Well, I mean, it is a it's a tricky one, right? Because mm. you know, it's um, there's pros and cons. There's you know, and I suppose artists, you know, who've lived in in all kinds of different times, you know, faced. Um, you know, a similar thing where, you know, every every circumstance and every environment in time presents opportunities and it prevents and um, it, it presents challenges. Mm. But I think right now, you know, for me as a jazz artist, it's um it's difficult. It's difficult and I think um I speak on behalf of a lot of my colleagues in the industry because if anything, this pandemic, this 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 time we're living in and this um the sort of global catastrophe of COVID nineteen has highlighted some um some bitter pills, you mm. know, or, you know, about about where artists really fall within the realm of the economy yeah. and within the spectrum of what is important um, value-wise. And I think about, okay, we can sit and, and go, well, the platforms are absolutely multi-sided. There's so many of them. But then we need to start asking ourselves, especially right now, whether do we have the capacity to monetize? <laughs> you know, ultimately, are we making money from the various platforms that we have and the digital space, mm. right? And it's so great to have um, Chijioke, uh, Dr. Okori on, online because, you know, she's a specialist in this copyright space and, and, and the internet, um, you know, and, and we're putting concerts and content online because we're desperately wanting to share our craft. But then again, I kind of find myself, like last night, I found myself thinking, as a jazz musician, this music thrives in the presence of an audience. Yeah, absolutely. And it thrives in the presence of a live audience because it's it's premised on a synergy, you know. So I'm 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 grappling, and and it will be quite interesting to hear what what other jazz musicians are are feeling. But for me, that's where my mind is at right now. Mm. And 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 I, and I guess you know. So so when we talk about COVID nineteen from an economics point of view, we 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 say you know, hang on, you know, we went into. COVID-19 with a, a bleeding economy. We were just for the term on recession 
and you know of course COVID-19 is going to make things worse and that's from an economy point of view but I think the story is no different specific to to music I think the 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 cries of musicians pre-existed COVID-19 and 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 I just want to maybe get the appreciation of what is the difference I mean um, you know you already where were you before COVID-19 and how is that exacerbated? So you make such a valid point, and I've been saying this. You know, I've been saying that. You know, for a lot of musicians who are who have been gigging regularly, you know, high end earners in the music business, you know, this is a bit of a shock to their system. But yeah. the larger majority of musicians who are not in mainstream, this is their, this is their reality wow. because they don't have the space, right? They're not getting the bookings to perform. So for me personally, pre COVID nineteen, I mean. I, I lecture, right? I lecture music at the University of Cape Town and um, and I'm studying. I'm six months shy now, finishing my, my MBA. So, um, and then I serve on the board of the Samuel Foundation and all that, you know. So I've, I've, I've been able to kind of craft a career for myself where I earn income from more than one thing. Right. And, um, and this, and I decided to do this about sort of late 2016 because I realized that, you know, I'm not going to sustain myself just from singing. Mm. And, and it was a, it was a very difficult reality. So, so, so when you went and you start you 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 started a, an MBA course, you were not yeah. thinking about it in terms of enhancing your music monetization. You were thinking about it as an alternative income. Do I understand that? Because I, yeah. my next question would have been with an MBA. You know how is you know how 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 do you then foresee the future? You know how does the the, the business studies assist in in the craft of art? Well, actually, when I started the MBA, I didn't really know why I was doing it. I mean, there was so many, I was like, it's only like sort of a year and a half in, and I realized, oh, this is why I'm doing oh, this. Um, you know, because, seriously, because, you know, I mean, and as you get older and as you experience more in, in the music business and the music world, you realize. So for me, the MBA, if anything, has highlighted this disparity between music and the music business. Yeah. that they are two completely separate things. And I didn't know that coming into music because I thought that if I can sing jazz and I can sing well and record albums, then I know the business. I mean, I'm in the music business. Mm. But then, you know, you realize when you when you churn out the albums and you're performing and, and then at the end of the month, you looked at your bank account and you go, mm. really? Mm. You know, mm. and it's just really good business. And so the NBA is great um, because I've been able to then really delve deeper into the business, right? Because the modules give you the scope to be able to research stuff that's related to your line of work. Yeah. So um, so that's really great because now I can take all of that and I can actually apply it into my own career. So already I'm thinking, okay, I want to record album number three, but mm -hmm. I need to have a conversation with my label. Right. Because now, because now I know a couple of things I didn't know before, right? right. Um, so, so I think that's the thing for me. And so for me, COVID-19 in this period... Um, I'm taking it as an opportunity to obviously finish studying and, yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm teaching remotely for the University of Cape Town. I, I want to talk a little bit about that as well, about some of the teaching and how that has changed. But, yeah. but I, I think you've, you've sort of mentioned something that I find particularly interesting. Um, and, and because when we talk about the plight of musicians and artists in general, you know, I think sometimes it's very difficult to pin down the problem and say, where is the problem? You mentioned in passing the, the you know, the negotiation with your label. But mm -hmm. but somebody else might say, well, hang on, is it maybe that as as a people with the economy and the the fast paced life that we're living in, that the 
people themselves are no longer in, interested in outdoor events and no longer have an, an appreciation for the arts? Or is it, you know, so is one, the labels, two, us, the, the consumers of your music, um, or three, technology? Um, you know, it, 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 the, 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 when we talk about, you know, technology and the multi-sided platforms that are, are out there, where, where, if if we were to pin, or, or can't we even pin it? If we were to pin the problem to say, this is where it is to be located, because you'd remember many years ago when we were talking about uh, about Maslatini, the the discussion was, oh, the label ripped him off, or you know, the, he negotiated badly, or, or this and that. But the, <laughs> I'm I'm wondering whether is that still the problem, or have we now got new problems? Um, I think it's a hybrid of the three things that you mentioned, right? So. Mm. I, and I, for me, if I had to whittle it down to maybe two words, mm-hmm. I would say, well, okay, maybe not two. So, okay, two, transparency. All right. Link of transparency in the music business, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so transparency in the sense that the people who really handle the money from the different platforms are not really very transparent in terms of how that money moves. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's transparency or the lack thereof. And then secondly, it's knowledge, information education, you know, falling under one word of knowledge. So as artists, I think we, are, we, we need to know more. We need to study more, right? And when I say study, I'm not saying we must all enroll for a bachelor of what, 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 yes. but we need to understand, learn, and inform ourselves and empower ourselves, which, which is why I'm saying now, I'm going to now have to have a conversation with my label, right? Because I'm more knowledgeable about... Would, would that sort of be the, the, the silver bullet then? You know, a conversation yes. with the with the label would that be the silver bullet, or would there be residual issues of Michael is listening to my music at home and he doesn't come out to the concert and I'm not fully booked? Yeah, there will be residual because you see, the consumer behavior is different now in the world of digital platforms. Yeah, right. Because now people consume music a lot, mm-hmm. right? Not that they didn't before, but they consume it more easily and more accessible on their on their devices. Yeah. Right, so um, so there's that, and and me as an artist, I earn less money per stream, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to maybe when people were only had the option of buying the full CD. Right now, consumers can just like one or two songs from your album, and they'll just stream it as and when they want. Right, right. So the label also is going to have to fight for you know for their you know for their end of the bargain. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying it's so important to be able to to come into this information, to research it, to understand it, so that the conversation between the artist and the label, if you have a label, um, is, is deeper, right? It's deeper, and, and it's these, like, really important questions that you can actually engage in. But those who run the industry, you know, the, the label executives, and they, they, they're not going to offer this information up, Michael. That's, that's the fact of the matter. Mm. You see, they're mm. not going to say, well, you know, let's get together. I want to teach you about how this works, and I want to show you what, you know, how much money, you know, your album generated from this and how much. No, they're not. They're just mm. going to pay it to Samuro, and then Samuro will just pay you as the artist, and you're going to see this money appear in your bank account, and you're going to take it and, and, you know, and move on. Yeah. You know, but no one's really prodding and kind of going, give me a breakdown of what's going on there. What's the money trail here? You yeah. Know? So, 
Yeah. I, I want to take a break, but before I do so, I just want to touch on something just so that, you know, when we talk about multi-sided music platforms, if I can just, you know, of, of course, there'll be a lot more to talk about after the break. But um, uh, Dr. Okori, if I can just sort of just give me a, a short introduction of what we're talking about when we talk about multi-sided music platforms, because, you know, I'm the guy from the cassettes and the LPs. <laughs> so um multi-sided um music platforms um so the term multi-sided is um a term coined by economists you know to explain um a specific kind of business model mm. that you you know that started to become popular um with the emergence of the internet you know yeah. and um digital digitalization and digitization rather so you have a platform that earns money from dealing with different sides of the market so take a piece of um a piece of music for instance you have a digital platform so it's online mm -hmm. and it's dealing with on one side musicians you know, dealing with musicians on one side, mm -hmm. dealing with us, the public, who listen to music on one side, mm -hmm. and then dealing with advertisers on the other side. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, someone who puts music on this digital platform. You have people who come to listen to music on that platform. And then you have advertisers who say, oh, here are musicians on this platform, and here are, um, you know, listeners on this platform. I can put my product or advertise my product or service on this platform and this you know, number of people get to see this thing. So the platform itself then makes money from the advertisers, from the very fact that someone has placed music on that platform for a lot of people to come on the platform to listen. Mm -hmm. I want to take a break and when we continue, we're going to be exploring uh, with my guest uh, um, the issue of, you know, when you're talking about regulatory framework in the context of, of multi-sided music platforms, what are you actually talking about? Because, you know, it's not something that I can readily put my finger on and say I understand. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we continue our chat. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, I'm in conversation with Nomfundo Kaluva. She's a vocalist and pianist and also occupies a, a few other seats. She's a deputy chairperson of Sambro Foundation as well as uh, a member of the Jazz Day South Africa um, uh, and, um, and also Dr. Chijioki uh, Akori. She's the author of the Multi-Sided Music Platforms and the Law Book. And I think um, we're going to be sort of trying to understand and dissect a lot of um, what she writes in the book because this is something that is is new to many of us uh, when we were talking about copyrights um, before it was literally in in a very narrow sense of some of the obvious things but things are moving rapidly they're moving quickly but also they're moving at a global scale so I'm just kind of trying to imagine um, you know um, uh, uh, a song a South African song playing in Lagos and uh, what law governs it there relative to here and and but that's not even the problem the problem is something I want to get to which is the people that own a lot of these platforms are not even on this continent but the 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 music is from this continent and also the consumers are from this continent to a large extent and that's something that I guess is is somewhat heartbreaking because it extends well beyond music um, but let's talk about you know let, let's talk about you know when we talk about a regulatory framework are we even able to to talk about a regulatory framework in the context of of of, of multi-sided music platforms globally 
I guess that was for you, uh, Dr. Kori. Um, that's no, that's for me. Um, 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 I hear you when you say um, it's heartbreaking and um, the fact that these platforms are in various parts of the world. Um, so in terms of regulatory framework, we have to you know, put at the forefront of our mind the fact that the music in question is protected by copyright law. Yeah. And it's copyright law that determines how you're supposed to um, engage with a copyright-protected work. Yes. And um, so under the Copyright Act in South Africa, in, in, you know, wherever you have a copyright statute in place, there's, there are different categories of work that are protected. And so you have a track, you know, for instance, and in that track, there are different kinds of protected works in that single track. So you have um, the lyrics of the song protected as a literary work under our copyright law. And then you have, um, you have the, the musical composition itself, the beat, the instrumental, the, you know, what makes the song the song, yeah. you know, protected as, as, um, as a musical work. And then you have the recording of the song protected as a sound recording. And then if you have a music video, it's protected as a cinematograph um, film. And then you have um, maybe the, art, the album artwork or the single artwork and, you know, the photograph of the artist that you use to market and all of those things that will be protected as an artistic work. So there's a lot of um, copyright protected work in, you know, in a single um, piece of, of music that we hear. And now you have these multi-sided platforms, which I've explained that they, they, are, they are essentially um, a, a place where different sides of the market gather. So if you are an artist or a record label, what you're looking to do is to put your music where the public can assess it. Of course, you have, you know, like Nomfundo said, you have different you know, streams of income from being um, a performer or a songwriter or a singer. So you, you, you have, you know, monies coming in from live performances and you have monies coming in when your music is played on radio, on TV. You have money coming in when your music is used in films and all of those things, right? So essentially, under copyright law, you already have the rights should lead you to get revenue because the copyright laws would say would already you know make provisions and say that if you're the copyright owner or the author of this piece of music you are entitled to a, a bundle of exclusive rights you know the right to reproduce the work it's essentially you that get to do that mm -hmm. you know exclusively the right to distribute the work the right to perform the work and you know a whole lot of different kinds of rights that you have mm. so if you if you hold on to the music yourself of course nobody is going to buy it and you're not going to make any money so you need to have the music out there so that you get to make money mm -hmm. and if you if you if you retain the rights by yourself to say I, I have this exclusive bundle of rights given to me under the law. I'm going to, you know, stay on top of it. I'm going to be the only one um, dealing with this music, deciding what happens and all of those things. You make money, but your money is limited. So you need to um, license the work to different, you know, people. Mm -hmm. And then they pay you a licensing fee and then you make money and things like that. In an ideal world, that's how it should be. Right. Mm -hmm. And then before the Internet, before the Internet, you know, things were essentially linear because, you know, you can 
um, produce 500 CDs. And when you've sold 500 CDs, you know that you've sold 500 CDs. But what do you have in the internet space? You have the rate of reproduction happening, you know, in nanoseconds. So I can be here listening to to Nomfundo's song on YouTube Mm -hmm. in Nigeria. And you can be in, in, in South Africa listening to the same music on YouTube or maybe on Spotify or maybe on SoundCloud. You know, so there are different um, platforms where people can access the same piece of music. And then the question is between where you find the songs and the the copyright owners of those um, songs, how does the money flow? Who gets, you know, who gets money? And then you have these multi-sided platforms who don't, their business is not to create copyright protected works. So they, they are not like a record label that is in the business of making records, right? Mm -hmm. They are not in the business of singing. They are not in the business of setting up, of booking shows and, you know, selling tickets and all of those things. Their own is to just, you know, have the platform and then make it free of charge for people to come onto the platform and upload music. So if you're if you're if you're um, an upcoming artist, for instance, and you don't maybe have a label, or you 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 are a, you're um, an artist-owned um, record label, and you're just starting out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a platform like YouTube, for instance, is is um, is, is fantastic. You know, depending on how you look at it, but it's fantastic for you because you don't need to pay a dime. <clears throat> to put your music to upload your song on yes. YouTube, yes. and then if you and I, Michael, we want if we want to to listen to Nomfundo's songs, for instance, we don't need to pay a dime to come on YouTube or any of these um, or, or on Facebook or on SoundCloud or, wh- or wherever the music is on the platform. We usually would not need to pay any money, mm-hmm. any any money to anybody to listen to those things. Now, the the the, the challenge then becomes: this music is protected by copyright law. Just imagine for a second that it's not the copyright owner who uploads the song on YouTube. So say I, 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 I have Nofundo's song somewhere and I upload it to YouTube. I don't talk to Nofundo. Nofundo doesn't know me either. I don't know her. Mm-hmm. But I know her music and I upload it on YouTube, right? Yes. And everybody gets to listen to the song because it's on YouTube. And YouTube makes money because that song is there. Because, so say she has like um, 10 million views in, 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 in one week, for instance. There's, you know, a lot of companies who would, who would want their products advertised when, you know, the song is, is, is being streamed. So, you know, before you, you get to listen to a song on YouTube, you usually see, you know, an ad being played. Mm-hmm. So that's how money is made on those platforms, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem now is when you have that kind of scenario where, you know, this platform is not responsible for uploading the song on the platform, but it benefits from the fact that the song is there and people are listening to it. How do you apply copyright law Mm -hmm. to address that kind of use? Because bear in mind that the artist in question can't spend her own, you know, her whole time or his own time, chasing each and every, you know, those 10 million views, chasing, you know, them all over the world to say, 
who put my song there. Yeah. You streamed it. It's reproduction. I have exclusive rights. You need, you must pay me something. But let me let you me as as, so as, as you explain this as you explain this. Let me let me invite you to distinguish between two scenarios and in exactly the same sort of example that you've provided. Two scenarios mm-hmm. where I have put up deliberately my music onto YouTube to make it available. Um, mm-hmm. And and this was some sort of a, you know, I intended it to be that way. And another scenario mm-hmm. where I I haven't put it up. I've I've sold a disc, and uh, and I stood at the back of my boot and I sold, but uh, and and uh, somebody then uploads it not on my behalf. So meaning that I don't have an arrangement with YouTube or with whatever platform. Of those two uh-huh. scenarios, which one are you explaining now? Which one are you dealing with now? Because it would be interesting to draw that distinction for, 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 for the listeners. So if you're the copyright owner mm. and you, you, you deliberately decide that YouTube is a platform or, 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 or SoundCloud, or, um, or, or, SoundCloud yeah. or you know, whatever platform is, is where you want to put your music because you know, that's where you want to put your music, then yeah. it wouldn't be an infringement. And so you wouldn't really be complaining that someone is ripping you off, but, but ripping would, you in that, off in, in terms example, of infringing, yeah. in terms of infringing on your copyrights. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. I, I'll still come to this example. But then in that if, example, if, are then you, let me, so, let's go to the other side. Yeah. Sorry. In, in that example where you've put it up, do mm-hmm. you is there some mm-hmm. kind of a, a mechanism for you to get paid if if it does hit ten million views? Yeah, so YouTube has um, 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 what it calls AdSense, um, where you have like a relationship with YouTube itself or with um, content management, um, content aggregators, or content management. Um, um, system owners. So there's um, YouTube partners. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. So those people have a, a, a contract with YouTube where they share um, they share um, revenue that they get from ad streams. Mm-hmm. You add, add revenues, they share it with YouTube. So um, a label like Universal, for instance, or like Sony Music, those are the big um, record labels, you know, globally. They have an arrangement with YouTube. They have a contract with YouTube. You know where, mm. when they have, um, they 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 upload, you know, their artist song on on their YouTube channel. Mm. The ad revenue that is made from from those uploads, they get to share it with YouTube. Okay. Or YouTube gets to share it with them. Okay. So, but even in that scenario, you know, there's still some agitations from artists that you know the revenue is nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's in in um, which is you know part of what I talk about. But I mean, in my I, book. and, and so I guess I guess in, if we use yeah. an Umfundo Paluva as an example, I've just gone on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, the first thing uh-huh. that appears on YouTube is is something that looks like her own content that she's put up. It's her it's an album, and I think there I'm sure there's an arrangement, but I, but I'm, I'm I'm open for you to to educate me. But then there's a footage on on a show called Expresso Show. Um, you know, so there's uh-huh. sort of different platforms or, or different, not uh-huh. platforms, it might, it might all just be YouTube, but different um, mediums or different people that have put it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so I guess, and there's also one from, from Kaya TV, that's us. Awesome. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> look, I- uh-huh. I don't know if this is a good thing uh-huh. to say. Uh-huh. Let, me, let me come in here now, Michael. Sure, sure. Right, so. 
Um, and and uh, I'm slightly embarrassed to say this, but you know, in the spirit of transparency, you know, I've got to got to live by my word. Yeah, I have never, I Lomfundo Kaluba has never physically uploaded any content onto YouTube. Yeah. So so basically, anything, any video, anything of me that you see on YouTube has been uploaded by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, um, and I guess that's the worry. So my my, my question um, um, is, and I, and I guess you're welcome to answer it. Who who gets? You know, do you get paid for this? I mean, I see one with your album cover, so it, it could be your label. Um, but I'm just going to check if I can I can you know listen to it freely. There you go. I, I managed to get to it for free. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so as Dr. Okori was saying, um, you know, because the, you see, because the, the sound recording of the album is protected under that copyright, like, yeah. right, on the sound recording copyright. Mm-hmm. So, so Universal will collect the revenue generated, whatever revenue, I mean, you know, the whole five rand, right? Um, <laughs> you know, collected from, from, uh, <laughs> from YouTube and, and, and will act as the aggregator between myself and, and the platform. Mm-hmm. But I cannot even begin to tell you how many, um, how many independent artists. And because remember, YouTube is a, it's a content, you know, a user content, um, generated platform yeah. right so it's the it's the, it's the users who upload the content yeah. um on it so and there's so many independent artists who who put their stuff onto youtube because to them you know the trade-off is that they get i get known mm. that's mm. the thing right mm. and it's exactly it, mm. it goes back to what i was saying at the beginning of our interview where i said you know it's great because we put ourselves on these platforms but at what point are we going to start seeing money revenue come out from these you know from these um from these platforms and dr okori spoke and i think you know what she's saying is that what we're not quite getting to is how does the money flow right because you get these aggregators right who will then obviously who are in between and then you get publishers who also have to get a, a their fair share of it and so the artist you know how is that money moving you know, and, and when are we going to actually see the data and to be able to track? Because I, I think and I think to myself, well, in, the, in, in an age of such modern technology, mm. why isn't there a tracking system where I as a musician can actually go and track? And I think in other parts of the world or maybe other places or whatever, or, you know, maybe other people have access to that kind of technology. I can actually track, you know. So I'm part of Samuel, which is, you know, the collection management organization. Mm-hmm that pays royalties, you know, to musicians and to artists and composers, you know. And and I still think to myself, well, surely there should be a technology where I can see that my song was played on Kaya on this day and then it was played on that place and there. And when it was played there, that's how much it was. It was Mm. streamed there and that's how much money I made from the stream. And actually able to track it so then I can then arrive at the amount that I see in my bank account. But we're not there. And I'm not sure... Why, what is the bottleneck between, you know, kind of being able to trace that, you yeah. know, to trace, and maybe it's because the digital space is not adequately regulated. I mean, you know, you were saying earlier on that, you know, all the Spotify's and all these like Apple, you know, none of them are, are South African or, you know, even African, really. Yeah. You know, none of them, you know, so we have to work, we have to fit into their model. You, you know, when, when, when you're having a good show, you know when a when a when a good broadcaster calls your show, George Manyosi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, how's it? Good, man. How are you? 
Okay, two things. Uh, one for maybe another another day. Mm. Even governments are struggling with taxing revenues on digital spaces like the YouTubes and all that. He mm. uh, checked Davos. I mean, there was a, a bone of contention. Major, major debates are going on about that, uh, where U.S. companies are just, you know, making a killing, yeah. financially speaking. And uh, and governments are, are having a problem in, in other countries where they can't really, you know, geographically place the revenue and this and that. So that's another subject for another, you know, day, but uh, something very fascinating there that you can look at. Mm. Uh, for today, for this subject, you know, um, you, you guys talk about YouTube. I mean, you will notice, especially with uh, a lot of these account holders with YouTube, who use, who go and upload yeah, someone's uh, original uh, creation or, mm. or whatever without even your knowledge as you, you highlighted earlier, um, then then they would get away with these things and, and make money from YouTube uh, by just going and stating that disclosure at the bottom there. Uh, disclaimer, you know, that this content uh, is for educational purposes wow. or for news purposes only sharing. And uh, this is fair use. They use the fair use law of 1976, uh, which is which is pretty much <laughs> accepted by YouTube uh, and the likes. Mm. And uh, the, as I said, account holders then, uh, you know, get paid through advertising uh, streams and, and, and all that kind of stuff without any cent going to the originator uh, or creator of, of that uh, content. That's that's one of those big things. You, you know, you raise you raise so many issues and, and even the tax one, it, it actually isn't remote from, from today's show because, I mean, the, the tax issue is is a broader one. I mean, you can imagine out of all the technology that gets flown into Africa, how much of the tax gets collected here. In fact, some of their own countries don't even collect um, the money. These yeah. companies are registered in Netherlands and in Ireland, etc. So that's a that's a, that's right. a seriously big issue. But but is it that easy uh, uh, to just get away with um, you know copyright? We're just putting a putting up a disclaimer on YouTube, Doctor Okwara. Is it it is is it as easily as George says? So that's the challenge, right, um, mm. Michael and George? That's, that's, that's the challenge. So even in the EU, even in the European Union, there's, 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 you know, and even in the US, there's always been that conversation about who do you hold responsible for what is going on on these platforms? And it's not just YouTube. There's SoundCloud. There's, you know, even in Nigeria, there's platforms like Not Just OK, um, Too Exclusive, you know, different platforms that, you know, um, have, you know, tons and tons of contents that people upload themselves. You know, sometimes it's the artist uploading. Sometimes it's other people uploading and mm. all of those things. So the challenge has always been, who do you hold responsible? So under, under various, you know, copyright laws or related laws, like in South Africa, the Electronic Communication and Transaction Act, you know, has a safe harbor provision that says if you're merely hosting content, if all you do is just to be there mm -hmm. and people, you know, come to your platform and put, you know, their content for you to host. So you're just there providing this nice hosting service mm -hmm. that you, 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 you are exempted you know, from being um, liable for copyright infringements if 
when you're contacted by the actual copyright owner, you take down the contents. Mm. So YouTube will just say to you, or a Not Just Okay, for instance, will say to you, or a SoundCloud will say to you, as soon as Nomfundo says to us that this, you know, this my song, this my track that you have on your platform was not authorized by me or by my record label to be here. As soon as Nomfundo says that, we are going to take it down. Mm. So they, they but just it still doesn't put money in your pocket, to, to though. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, oh oh, so oh sorry. We we apologize that we we just going to put it down to tomorrow. But but you know for three months that you didn't even know that it was there. They were collecting the the Benjamins. Yeah, but exactly. also but think about it this way. Mm. You know, because everybody's got to take responsibility, mm. right? Um, and artists themselves as well. So we all have to take responsibility and we all need to sit upright and, and look at these things and find and, and, and look and find stuff. So oftentimes when people say, oh, I saw a video of you on YouTube doing this and that, and you maybe didn't know that someone, you know, uploaded. I mean, and I know this from, you know, being a performer. So I know that when I'm on stage, everybody's out filming with their smartphones, yes. right? There's just nothing you can do about it. Oh, there's something. There, you can tell people. You can <laughs> I've been, tell I've been to a few where they're like, put your phone down. Yeah, no, then you're being a wet blanket. It's like, don't fool me. And it's like, are you, man? Of course you're going to fool me. So it's okay because people want to take a piece of the performance home with them. That's the world we live in. People film everything, right? Mm. So, and then the next thing you find that your videos on YouTube, blah, 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 blah. But now when you find out, you see, you are, we are often happy to have our content online because there are so few avenues where we are able to share our craft because you're not going to find us on television. And also we're no longer living in the age of music videos. Remember there was a time in the 90s mm. where in between, you know, shows and in between, see, there were music videos. Yes. Now, we're not there anymore. Mm. So, the, so the pool, you know, where we can actually be able to showcase ourselves and be seen is so small that we, we are now not asking beyond. We're not penetrating that question of going, oh, really? It's that video on, on YouTube. Oh, that's great. What we should then follow up with is, hmm, what does that mean? Mm. Right? Mm. That's what we need. So we as artists need to be able to ask the question after the question. You see, we, we, we stop too soon because we, we're basking in just the fact that it's up there for other people to see. And it's great because clients will say to you, Nomfundo, we'd like to book you for this uh, event, blah, 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 because, you know, we, this is a new partnership or whatever. Do you have any material online, any videos online that the client can see? And if you don't have stuff on, you know, on YouTube or whatever, you know, you, you're unlikely to get the gig. But I mean, you could have it on a paid platform like Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer, or whatever. That that could yes, suffice as well. You could, yes. right? But remember, yeah. But but let's do this. Let's yeah, do this. Let's let's do this. Uh, Nfunda, let me let me just play one of your tracks. Um, you, you know, because I'm not a unlike George Manuasi, they get to play music. I get to do a lot of talking. And COVID nineteen, thank you. I get to play more than one song. I'm gonna play this one. <laughs> Ten minutes before nine o'clock, uh, we continue our conversation. I'm in conversation with a vocalist that you've just listened to right now doing a cover, Nomfunde Kaluva, as well as Dr. Uh, Chi Gioke Akori. And uh, we're talking about, 
you know, the, the new age in which we live, but also an interesting book that uh, Dr. Akori has, has written, which is the uh, multi sort of deals with uh, multi-sided music platforms and, and, and it's specific to music because you can imagine there's a, a lot of things that are going to be um, happening. But one of the things that, you know, as, as sort of the part of the review to your book, uh, Dr. Akori, that, that was spoken of is an introduction of an African perspective into the issues pertaining to copyrights. Um, explain and take us through that. Okay, so <clears throat> in in terms of um, talking about multi-sided music platforms and the relationship between that and copyright law and competition law and privacy law, you know, those are the legal frame, the regulatory frameworks that mm. I dealt with in the book. There's a lot of conversation, you know, on, on, on those aspects outside Africa. Yeah. You know, outside the global south, outside the emerging developing economies. So um, last year, the, 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 the European Union, you know, um, went through the process of um, a digital single market um, directive and, you know, dealing with value gap um, proposal, essentially um, artists, you know, record labels, um, collecting societies, in, in, in those climes, we are saying that the monies that they are getting from user-generated um, content platforms, you know, I don't want to keep mentioning YouTube because there are, you know, tons of other mm-hmm. um, platforms enough, that, yeah. do the same, mm-hmm. that, that do the same thing. It's just that YouTube is, you know, like a very visible example because most people, you know, have access to it and know about it. But those conversations have been going on in those places, essentially saying that, you know, who do we hold responsible for these things that happen? You know, George called and mentioned that, you know, you have people who upload someone else's um, content and says, um, just putting this for educational use, um, this is fair use and mm-hmm. all of those things. But within our copyright laws, those things don't, you know, um, um, those things don't make sense in the context of our laws because it's either you are infringing or you are not infringing. But at the end of the day, like you said, Michael, who gets the money? Mm. You know, where is the money coming from and who gets the money? Mm. And that's the problem that copyright law has been grappling with, you know, over time. In terms of the African, you know, Africa-focused conversation, you know, I, I um, of course, part of the things that you have to, you have, you, 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 in, 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 um, Part of the things that I considered was there's, you know, this conversation going on in the U.S., there's this conversation going on in the EU. But what have, what of, you know, our own perspective, our own context, you know, as Africans? Because if you say, oh, why don't the artists access other platforms like Spotify, which is a subscription-based platform, or maybe access platforms like um like Deezer, which is, you know, subscription-based and all of those things. But we do need to ask ourselves, how many of our people can afford to, you know, pay a subscription on Spotify? Yeah. How yeah. many of our people can afford to pay a subscription on Apple Music? Yes, because you know, it's not only the question of subscription, it's also because the, that, that's yeah. our reality. Indeed, indeed. Sorry? But it's also a question of, you know, once you've subscribed, now you've got to stream and now you need the data. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So that's our context. So in, 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 in formulating our own laws, because South Africa, you know, started the copyright amendments, you know, process since 2015. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a country, South Africa is still at it, even as we speak, mm. you know. 
And the process has always been to, to hear from, from the artists, to hear from the copyright owners, to hear from the in, independent record labels, to hear from the public, to hear from users of music content. What, is, what are their realities? What, you know, what, how do you reform the laws to make sense for the African context? Because you can't just import these laws because they sound nice or import these laws from, you know, wherever yeah. without considering our own, you know, national context, our own experience and realities. Are we not doomed, though? Um, uh, are we not doomed in terms of music as we are with pretty much everything else? Because if you take the example of China, for example... They don't have Google, or at least Google is available on a very limited basis because of this very thing that they understood. And that's why companies like Tencent are doing so well because they use Chinese search engines and Chinese this, even, at, even if it means that some of these other search engines have got to be blocked or frustrated. Is, 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 is it that we are doomed in, in two ways? One, we will never be united. In Nigeria and South Africa can't agree on a lot of things, and, 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 and I don't know what's the beef between the two governments, but there certainly <laughs> does. <laughs> but that's just a, one example. But, but besides the beef, we just simply can't speak as an African voice. We always speak with a Nigerian voice and a South African voice. That's the first thing. But even if you tried, I mean, we tried, we tried a little move with chickens where we were saying, oh, if you want, uh, we, we can't have cheap chickens coming into South Africa. And we were given some, a few threats of what, we would, what would get cut from us if we don't take the, the drumsticks from these other countries. And, and, and it's exactly the same with music. The minute you want to say, hang on, Google has an unfair advantage over us because guess what? Google's laws are not, are not they don't consider South African law, Nigerian law, or even law in Sudan. They consider their American and Western laws, and we're just going to have to work around it and, and, and live with it pretty much. And, 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 and you as somebody who studied this and me as somebody who is perhaps defeated in thinking, do you see any hope of us moving in any way where Africa can in some way fight back and have its own platforms for Africans, even if it is aided by government? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I, um, you know that there's um, the... The African um, Union came up with the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, mm. and there are, you know, different protocols under the agreement. The protocol on intellectual property um, is supposed to be, you know, be there's supposed to be negotiations, you know, um, for the protocol on intellectual property, and these are some of the issues, you know, mm. that the protocol is supposed to address. And we're all just waiting for the COVID-19 pandemic situation to ease and so that we can get a sense of where we are in terms of that treaty. But that treaty is, is, is such a huge unifying um, force from a lot of perspectives because it's, going, it's supposed to address, you know, um, the, the future that we want as Africans, mm, you mm. know. So there's hope from that perspective. Well, well I, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad. I have to, I'm afraid I have to uh, end it here. We, there's so much. I, I wanted to talk about so much. Uh, Nomfund also wanted to talk about, you know, teaching and during these times and and we never got around to, to talking some of the work that you do on, on teaching. But, but thank you so much uh, to both of you ladies for, for talking to me this evening. Thank you. Thanks for thank you, Michael. Time.
And thank you so much, the Afropolitan. Um, I really um, I hope that you've been enlightened as much as I have. It's been, it's been, uh, you know, exceptionally informative to me, and I and I hope it's been the same for you. For me, Michael Matuning, Bill. Until next Wednesday. Good evening.